0: That is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham and we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boati as Christ is magnified in you. We established that you are King of Kings and you are Lord of Lords. And in this very moment, you have taken authority, you have taken charge over the entire atmosphere you have brought us to the revelation of the truth of your word you have brought us to the manifestation of the practice of your word that your name shall be exalted above all else even in jesus precious mighty name the son of the living god we call it done. amen hallelujah we give god praise for this opportunity again and we know that god has brought us into another year of plenty and will prosper by his dictates and his purposes even in jesus mighty name hallelujah well the word of god is replete with realities that bring us to the truth that god intends to bless his children the bible says the prosperity of the servant of the lord pleases the lord that means that god intends and much more Is deliberate about prospering his servants you must know that there is methods by which God's prosperity is established Uh, once upon a time God instituted principles of prosperity upon the face of the earth but along the line in the fallen state of man this prosperity mechanism was lost and the reason it was lost was Job said in Job chapter 2 the verse three and four, that skin for skin shall a man give all he has for the Lord. So Job was saying in verse four that the devil, when he was speaking to the Lord about the matter, he says, no man will give a thing that does not cost him. So man ultimately, according to this first book of the Bible, was being described by Job as, by Job the writer, through the account of Satan, even to the Lord, that man is highly selfish. And since the fall, man will never part with anything. Man will never give anything that has no value or blessing or joy to him. That means that from the fall, man left sacrifice to selfishness. So man has been wired to do things conveniently rather than doing things convincingly. Now, you need to understand the terminology of the word to be convinced. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that for Abraham, he was fully persuaded. And the word fully persuaded is the fully, other version says fully convinced. He was fully convinced that God, God was going to carry out what he has planned all along. And the truth of the matter is that the word to be fully convinced is what ends up in the word conviction. So, the the extent to your convincing is what determines your conviction. How much of the convincing you have received determines what your conviction is. That means that what man left was the convincing of God, that God was convincing that the rules of God were convincing. The patterns of God were convincing. And because of that, man left conviction and entered convenience. So anything man would do was for himself. If it is nice, man will do it. Even today, you have Christians who say they don't give tithe. There are Christians who say they don't give offering. They rather use it on the poor because the church is beautiful. The, church is, uh, the pastors are driving nice cars. So it is the poor who are walking who have to... Now, even Jesus said it, that the poor you shall always have. <laughs> this is the Lord for whom we seem to be spokesmen for. Because we seem to be knowing what God will be thinking. And many Christians say, oh, even Jesus will take care of the poor. Can I tell you, in John chapter 12, Jesus said, the poor will always be with you. He was saying that... I've been with you all this while, but you have never sacrificed for me. And that was a serious issue. (laughs) Even Jesus had with the disciples. It was at the instance of this woman's action that Jesus brought the matter up. He said, all this time I've been with you, nobody has done a thing for me before. Only this one. (laughs) And even that one that this one has done, you are complaining. He said, the poor, eh, they'll always be with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what he's trying to tell us is that With time, man has become progressively selfish, progressively self-centered, and that self-centeredness is manifested in convenience. We can, people do not do things that are inconvenient. There was a time we go to church in the morning at six and we have no time we close. We are just in church. We'll do and bible study before the preacher preaches after the preacher preaches we will wait and do cell meeting have discussion but today people come when pastor has come to preach they time them they time the service so they are not part of the worship they are not part of opening prayer they are not part of bible study before the service and because a few of those things are not convenient for them they they just come for the message and they just one hour and they go back convenience and that convenience ladies and gentlemen unfortunately when God created man, man who was an eternal being, created in the spirit from the spirit of God, sorry, an everlasting being, created in the spirit from the spirit of God, housed by God, Hebrews twelve nine says that God is the father of all spirits. The word father there in the Greek is the word pater, he's the source of all spirits. So he was sourced from God, he was kept by God, so that the day that he formed man, What was sourced and kept in God was put into clay. Uh And when he was put into clay, man now became livened, animated, a living soul. But prior to that, when man was now leaving the realm of the eternal into the realm of time, Jesus told us he has set eternity in our hearts. Now explain why. What it meant was that what was eternal, what was repetitive, what was cyclic, what was in a a constant continuum, Man left that realm and entered time so that days ended, time ended, moments ended, but eternity was in him. What it means is that eternity is the reason why we are creatures of habit. The <laughs> reason why we repeat days, we repeat time, we repeat moments is because of the creatures, that nature of eternity that has been wired in our being to perpetuate events. That means that everything that is learned is a product of that time use habitual nature in us so it means that anything you are doing today is going to be the destiny of tomorrow because you are a creature of habits and if eternity is the engineering by which you create habits then it means the end of a habit will determine where you stand in eternity the end of a habit will determine where you stand in eternity so when man consistently walked in selfishness selfishness entered every aspect of his life Today, people marry for what they will get. People choose spouses for what satisfies their flesh. Nothing about conviction, design, purpose. No, 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 no. About what they can get. Today, people become pastors because of what they can get. But ladies and gentlemen, your assignment is based on your design. You are only assigned to what you are designed for. Without design, assignment can not come. So design precedes assign. Design precedes assigned. If you are not designed, you can't be assigned. So what I'm trying to bring your mind to is this, that that habitual entity, which is man, that creature of habit, has learned how to be selfish in all things, and it has affected our financial life also. And why am I saying what I'm saying? When God created the system of finances from the beginning, and we know from the scriptures that in Job 29 The principle of almsgiving was established. And we know that Job is the first book of the Bible. He says, I was eyes to the blind. I was laughter to them that were sorrowful he said that the rocks poured me out oil and i washed my feet with butter my sons and daughters were by my side when the friendship of the lord or the secret of the lord was upon my tabernacle he spoke consequently he says they that saw me at the gates stood up and rejoiced the elders saluted me he spoke about powerful things and all was because of the kind of arms giving he did he was philanthropist extraordinaire he stood in the dimension of philanthropy the whole nation knew him so that's what Ams giving was. So before the law, arms was present. Then the Bible said, once upon a time, after Noah had kept all the sacred creatures in the ark, Noah came out of the ark and chose sacred creatures. The clean were seven, the unclean were two. Two pairs of two, you know, two of two pairs and seven of, you know, two pairs. So, The 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 unclean he took seven of two pairs and the the, for the for the unclean he took two of two pairs and then Noah went to take this hallowed scarce commodity and offered the sacrifice to God and the Bible says when God saw it he said in Genesis chapter eight that as long as the heavens remained seed time and harvest he began to proclaim declarations from the heavens. Why? Because Noah activated the principle of seed. So, Job showed us arms. Noah shows us seed. Then the Bible speaks, o the Bible now communicates to us in Genesis chapter 4 about the principle of the first, the first fruit. That in the fullness of time, when the days where they ought to have come to offer their offering, it says, Cain brought out of the offering of the ground whereas Abel brought the first fruit. So Abel brought the first fruit. Cain brought a free will offering. (laughs) He chose what he will bring. It was not the first one. Go to verse three. He says that and Cain brought an offering and not D, not A, and it's an offering. So he chose what he will bring. It was a free will offering. So free will offering was in, in, in shown here. But that was not what was required. So though Cain unconsciously introduced free will offering, it was not what was required. <laughs> he chose what he will bring. But Bible says Abel brought the first. The first, the first fruit. The first fruit. So free will offering, the first fruit. Then Genesis 14 speaks about the tithe. So all the things we are talking about ladies and gentlemen precede the law and once it precedes the law it will outlive the law because in ezekiel the scripture said in the temple of ezekiel the bible said that and the first links of the tithe shall be paid in the temple so in the kingdom era there will be a kind of combination of first fruit and tithe that will still be paid (laughs) in the kingdom era and that's what the scripture says But you see, unfortunately, because of the selfishness that has plagued our generation, we are listening to all sorts of teachings that has deprived the church of the substance of wealth that will be used even in the days to come. It will be used in the days to come to deliver nations, to bring them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because, like I said, because we are creatures of selfishness. We have come to the place where we have trained ourselves to the place where any teaching or sermon that enhances convenience, we like it. (laughs) Hallelujah. But today we'll break the spirit of convenience. I I want to teach on seed power. Seed power. The power of a seed. The power of a seed. The power of a seed. I know that because we have different seed sowing conferences, It has been touched before, but I'm touching it from a different angle. The power of a seed. And the reason why I'm teaching on the power of a seed is, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the verse 18, the Bible says, And thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to make wealth or to get wealth, to establish his covenant, which he swore unto the fathers, as it is this day. He said, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that thou may establish his covenant, which he swore unto the fathers, as it is this day. Now, what was Moses talking about in Deuteronomy chapter 8? Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he spoke about different things. How that they will build new houses. To enjoy the blessing of the fruit of the land and all that. But he says, you will remember the Lord your God. Thou shall remember the Lord your God. You will remember the Lord your God. Now, this is very pivotal to understanding what seed power is. Because he says, it is he that giveth thee power to make wealth. So, without power, wealth cannot be achieved. Why? It, divine empowerment is necessary for wealth. In fact, let me put it this way. Every financial gain is achieved by a power. Either a foul spirit or a divine spirit. Every financial gain is achieved by power. So, without power, you cannot make the wealth God wants you to make. You can't make the wealth God wants you to make. And I want to explain why seed power is very necessary. Very necessary. There are so many things you can't get by labor. You only get by seed. That's, what, that's the power of seed. How do I know this? The Bible said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis 2, verse 7. When God was creating man, the Bible says in the verse number 5, can we go there, verse 5. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth. Can we do the ASV translation for emphasis? ASV translation. And no plant of the field was yet in the earth. No plant of the field was yet in the earth. And no herb of the field had yet sprung up. Now, I want you to take notice of what I'm talking about. Had yet sprung up. And the reason for this was, he said in the next one, that no herb of the field was yet in the earth. And no, what do you call a herb, had now sprung upon the earth, for Jehovah had not yet caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. There was no man to till the ground. And the verse number six verse number six and God caused a mist to come out of the earth watered the earth and then he formed man now if you notice what verse five said God has created all things and the tense after God has created all things in fact from verse four how he spoke about the generations that upon upon the earth and the generations which are in heaven the generations which are made upon the earth and the heaven the verse five now says there was no tree in the earth it's amazing why he does not say on the earth but it says, in the earth. he said, and there's no plant of the field was yet in the earth. And no field of the earth what had yet sprung up. Now, the reason for this is in chapter 1 verse 11. Genesis 1 verse 11. In Genesis 1 11. It said, God said, let the earth put forth grass, herbs yielding seed. Now, go to chapter 2 verse 5. So you'll notice something. Chapter 2, verse 5. There was no plant of the field that was in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up. Chapter 1, verse 11. Chapter 1, verse 11. God said, let the earth put forth grass, herbs yielding seed, and fruit bearing fruit after their kind. Wherein is the seed thereof upon the earth? And it was so. Wherein now put the YLT. I want to show you something in this verse, the Young's Literal Translation. It's a it's a good translation of the Old Covenant or Old Testament. Okay, so so with the version we have here we can try the amplified version also and let's see the amplified version he said and God said let the earth put forth tender vegetation plants yielding seed and fruit trees yielding fruit whose seed is in itself each according to its kind upon the earth and it was so now listen to what I'm come to say very importantly when it came to the grass the herb Bible says in chapter 2, verse 5, that they sprang forth. But he said, in the plant of the field, which was yet in the earth, they had not yet sprung off. They were on the earth. Chapter 1, verse 11 said, chapter 1, verse 11, let's go back. I want you to see this. And it was so. Verse 12. You can do the ASV again. Let's go back to the ESV. And the earth brought forth grass. Herbs yielding seed after their kind and trees bearing fruit wherein it is, wherein is the seed thereof after their kind. And God saw that it was good. Hallelujah. When you read this, it looks as if in this creation, there were already trees on the earth. But if you look through the description of all that he's talking about, he's talking about herb that will spring forth and seed, and seed. In the eleven. he said, the seed which was already upon the earth. So the seed was upon the earth, but was not in the earth. Why? The only way for the seed to go into the earth was by the tilling of a man. Was by the tilling of a man. So what it meant was that, If the man does not till the ground, if the man does not till the ground, the seed will not enter the soil. That's why though God has said all he has said, he has described their nature, he has described their persons, he has described their action, their design. But he says the herbs yielding seed. So these seeds were upon the earth. These seeds were lying on the earth. Man tilled it into the earth before trees showed up. Before trees showed up. Now, the power of seed is a power, in fact, according to Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 18. Let's go back there. Let's go back there. And I, I, I said, I want to, I want to, huh, yeah. Those terminologies in the Hebrew are a little different. So, in the Hebrew, it talks about the Zarah, the seed, the seed. It's, it's a seed emphasis, not the tree is the seed if you read how it's reading it says herb yielding seed herb yielding seed seed is the noun herb yielding is the adjective it's describing what kind of seed it is but when you go to yes let's go to determine 818 remember the lord thy god for it is he that giveth thee power the word power is the word coax and this coax actually he says is the power between the male and female coming together what it means is, is that seed power is the power of associative action. Seed power is the power of associative action. What I'm trying to bring your mind to is there was seed on the earth, but no tree because the seed was not yet in the earth, according to Genesis chapter 2 verse 5. There was no man to till the seed into the earth for the trees to sprout because there was not a man to till the ground and to till the ground is actually to borrow it to dig it to plow it so in the plowing the seeds were not in the earth but according to genesis 1 11, the seeds were on the earth so seeds were on the earth but were not yet in the earth The seeds were upon the earth, but were not yet in the earth. It was in the ceiling that the seeds were pushed into the earth. And when the seeds were now pushed into the earth, it gave the rising of the tree. And I'm bringing your mind to something very necessary for you to understand. That in the establishment protocol of covenants, there is always the power of two. There's always the power of two. It is he that giveth thee the co-work to get wealth. And it is the power that comes from the man and the woman to produce wealth. At the same time too, covenant is between God and man. So if there is no man part, the seed will die. So the power of the seed is not in the seed itself. It is in what is done with the seed. (laughs) If tilling does not occur, the seeds will rot on top of the soil it must be tilled into the earth so that the trees will show up. So many people have seed. Many people have opportunities for seed, but they are not doing what it takes for the power of the seed to be activated. And that is what scripture calls till the ground. Till the ground. And the word till the ground in Genesis 2.5 actually means to be a manager. God will never increase what you mismanage. So it means that if Adam mismanages the protocol of the seed, the earth will be barren without trees. Because he said there's no tree. And God had not caused it to rain also. Because there was no man to till the ground. Now I'll come to what the seed is. And I'll come to what also is the rain. And you'll understand how the process of the management produces the yield we are looking for. So when I'm talking about seed power today, i'm not talking of the seed alone i'm talking of what we do with the seed that produces the yield we are looking for because many people go like i give my tithe, but i'm not seeing any change i'm still broke i've given seeds but i'm still struggling financially what is the meaning of this pastor is lying to us nobody's lying to you <laughs> bible says god if there's anyone to lie then god lied. And since we know God is true, and all men are liars, <laughs> then it means there's something we didn't understand. How can God say they were trees and they were so? And God saw that it was good. Yet, and if you want to even complain about that, do you know in Genesis 1:26 and 27, Eve was already created? But we have not yet seen Eve. Even Adam had not seen Eve. Isn't it amazing that Adam and Eve were created? In Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. Let us make man a male and female. Verse 27. Male and female made he them. <laughs> he made he them. Male and female made he them. Yet male and female had not yet met. It was at Genesis 2.24 that Adam now saw that that is woman. That is female. <laughs> so why were they in God that they couldn't see the, each other? <laughs> but they were already made. <laughs> it's the same way the trees were already made but we have not seen it <laughs> because there was a ceiling that should be done for the trees to be shown what am i trying to tell you according to ex- e- ephesians the the, the the second chapter you know verse six he says he has made us to sit together with him in heavenly places far above principalities and powers but in ephesians one verse six he says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in, in verse three sorry he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ jesus so, we have already been blessed. But, ladies and gentlemen, we are not seeing the blessing. Because we don't understand what really seed power is. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. And I'm sure that this will bring your mind to a lot of things. A lot of things. Genesis 2, verse 5. Now, there, he said there was no man to till the ground. And the Hebrew word for till the ground, Abed, actually means to, to work it, to be a manager, to secure it, to, to garden it, to, to, to garrison it, to protect it, to ensure what it has been given for is carried out. Many people receive salary. Many people receive jobs and they don't know what they have received. And the moment you do not know what you have, it will be taken away from you. Now, that's the principle of the scriptures. Matthew chapter 25. The man assumed he knew the Lord. And from everything he said, he didn't know the Lord. He said, I know you. That you reap where you have not sown. And from the very instance of God coming to ask for what they had been given, it was even an upfront to his very lie. He didn't go and look for another servant who was not giving talent. Otherwise, there would have be been a, a fourth gentleman. After the five, the two, and the one, there would have been one with zero, and God would find him. But there was no one with them that had no talent. So even from his very description and the very accounting they were giving, he had lied. That God reaps where he has no sown. It's a lie. <laughs> so that tells you he did not know the Lord. It is an assumptive knowledge. But after he did everything he did, the Bible says they took what he had and gave it to those who had and he said day that have more shall be added <laughs> listen if you don't understand seed power you cannot increase in seed there is some of you just get thousand Ghana blessing and it takes another five years before another miracle happens because you have not understood you don't have so it can be added <laughs> yeah yeah it can be added it can't be added hallelujah <laughs> Hallelujah! So, what does it mean for man to till the ground? What does it mean for man to till the ground? It starts from understanding how seed power is activated. It comes from understanding how seed power is activated. It comes from understanding how seed power is activated. He said, if there was a man to till the ground, then the trees will show up. But there was no man to till the ground. So, none of the trees were available. None of the things God had created could manifest. So, today I tell you, whatever you are mismanaging will dwindle in your life. If you mismanage time, you will lose it. mismanage a relationship, you will lose it. You mismanage an anointing, you will lose it. You mismanage prosperity, you will lose it. God cannot add to a mismanager. If you are a mismanager, you cannot receive from the Lord. You don't know how to manage. God will take it away from you. Because he says, the man had to till so that the seeds will not die. You know, seeds can rot. And there's evil rotting and good rotting. <laughs> there's a rotting that germinates and there's a rotting that terminates. <laughs> there's a rotting that de- declares to, te- uh, to, to invalidity and inviability. But there's a rotting that activates viability. And that comes from tilling. That comes from tilling. Ladies and gentlemen, can I put this to you? If the seed is on the soil and no man tills it, the seed can be baked because there's no rain, the seed will rot and will never germinate. So by the time you take the seed, you plant it, nothing will come out. That means that the viability of the seed is connected to rain and tilling. It's 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 connected to rain and tilling. Connected to rain and tilling. So today you are going to sow seeds. But as you sow seed, you understand the dimensions of the realm of what seeds do. The vegetation you are looking for, the abundance you are looking for, the spread you are looking for is hidden in a seed. The mystery of a seed is the continuum of life. If you want to destroy life, take away the seed. If you want to enhance life, increase and use the seed. So anything you are using seed for is what causes life to be perpetuated. Perpetuated. But what then does it mean for the rain to come? what does it mean for the rain to come now i'm going to i I, i'm going to explain this from the, the from a prophetic standpoint from a secondary interpretation so follow me as i speak now what it means for rain to come is that the fact that seed is on the ground does not mean seed will deliver you from trouble. The fact that you have seed in your hand or you give a seed means that it will bring you rewards or testimonies or breakthrough. No. I'm telling you. No. Otherwise, every person who has ever given before should be rich. So, the fact that you give seed does not mean you will get a bumper harvest. No, 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 no. 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 The rain must come. And the rain that comes upon the earth is a product of an action upon the earth. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Zechariah chapter 10 said, Ask see the Lord for rain. In the time of the latter rain, that he will make bright clouds. And cause it to rain upon every one grass. Zechariah 10 verse 1. Why did the Lord say, ask see the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain? And he will give them showers. He will cause showers, rains to come upon every one grass. What is this? Is that when the seed is planted, watering must occur. And the watering protocols of the rain is a product of asking and releasing. So, if I plant the seed and I am quiet, my silence will not cause rain. Because remember, in Genesis 2, 5, it is God who causes the rain to come. But because there was no man, remember, in the tilling process of the earth, man also had to speak. What I'm trying to say is, is that in verse 6, you see, there was no man to till the ground. God could not cause it to rain. So God went for mist to water the earth. Do you know after Adam showed up, there was no need for a mist? This is the only time the mist watered the earth. From that day on rains came to shower. where it to shower? Because there was somebody asking for it. What am I trying to say? A lot of you give and give and give and your mouth is sealed. Your speech is your watering. <laughs> your speech is your watering. Your speech is your watering of your seed. What do you say about what you gave? And much more, what you say about what you gave, remember your seed is just an aspect of your faith life. Your seed is an extension of your faith life. So if I sow without speaking, I have Destroy the protocol by which the blessing shows up. My talking is as effective as my, my giving. <laughs> How do I know this? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16, he said to give, to communicate, be willing. He said do not forget, be willing for such sacrifices are well pleasing to God. But do you know before he came here, he said in verse 15 that we should offer the sacrifices Of what? Praise. Continually, which is the fruit of our lips, even the confession to his name. And Hosea chapter 14 verse 2 says that the fruit or the sacrifice of praise which is on our lips is actually what scripture calls the calves, the bullocks or the offerings of our lips. The bulls. So what you speak is a bull sacrifice. As you speak, I'm rich. I'm making it. As I sow my seed, I get a hundredfold in the mighty name of Jesus. As I talk that way, that is how I water. So if you look at Hebrews 13, 15 and 16, he is talking about the sacrifice of praise, which is the confession that is made to the Lord. But 16 says in, but to do good. So in communicating wealth also to in sowing seed, Don't forget the sacrifices also. So, he is saying there are two sacrifices. There is the physical one you are putting and there is the spiritual one you are speaking. As you speak it, rain comes to water what you put on the earth. That is what a man does by tilling. So, the tilling of the ground is the speaking because as you till, God produces rain. Your voice must not go silent neither should your voice go away from what you have sown i can never be broke and i say that in respect to what i put on the altar the more i'm sowing, the more i'm declaring i can never be broke i can never be broke that's why god loves a cheerful giver prompt to do it Whose heart is in the giving? How can my heart be in my giving? The Bible says the preparation of a matter is of the heart. But the answer is of the Lord. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. That means that whatever I'm saying, I must say what God is asking me to say. The word answer of the Lord means that anything I will make as declaration to see the reward and the, 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 the goal of a preparation that is in my heart it will only come when I speak as God speaks. What is God saying about my finances? That is the answer of the tongue. That is of the Lord. That's what Proverbs says. There are preparations in your heart. Whatever you've brought to the altar is your preparation, but you're speaking. I can never be broke. I access the wealth of the nations. And it's, in my, it's consistent with my giving. It's consistent with my giving. So in Hebrews 13, 15 and 16, speaking and giving are meshed together. Why? Proverbs chapter 22, the verse number 1. Proverbs 22.1. Let's see what the scripture said. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. Verse 2. Verse 2. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord has made them all. So he's saying the rich and the poor are the same. Because the Lord is the one who made all of us. <laughs> but there's something, from this statement, he's trying to tell you that there is something the rich did to escape the poor, the poor. There's something the rich did to escape poverty. Because God didn't create somebody rich, somebody poor. It, he's trying, can I put it this way? He's trying to tell us that God didn't give birth to you poor, neither did he give birth to you rich. Let me repeat what I'm saying well. God didn't give birth to you poor. You were born in a poor house, that's not mean you were poor. You were made poor. The house you were born in is not what makes you. So the fact that you were born in a poor house does not mean that you are a poor person. So when God gave birth to us, he put some in rich houses, others in poor houses. Have you noticed some people in rich houses end up becoming poor and those in poor houses end up becoming rich? It means that from the start, God did not declare that this one is perpetually rich or this one is perpetually poor. It was their actions. There was an action that was carried out that made one rich and the other poor. Verse 3. Verse three. A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So he gives us point one. Prudence makes you anticipate where evil is coming from and you don't expose yourself to it. Number four. Time for me to go into that. By humility is the fear of the Lord and riches and honor of life. So the next point, first point is Prudence. So the poor and the rich were made by the Lord. What makes somebody rich? Number one, prudence. Prudence means that a thing must be used a certain way in the way it ought to be used and left as it was used. That's prudence. (laughs) Prudence in relationship, prudence as a student. He said that's what gives you wealth. Then the next one says, by humility and the fear of the Lord. So humility and the fear of the Lord is the next thing an individual does to separate from poverty and enter wealth. Number five. Thorns and snares are in the way of the frauds. But he that doth keepeth his soul, ah shall be far from them. And how can he keep his soul? In Proverbs eighteen, the chapter eighteen, verse ten, it tells us how to keep your soul. Iro baba, Proverbs eighteen, verse ten. Proverbs eighteen, verse ten. Malo korobo, Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Next one. Go to verse six. Sorry. Uh-huh. Go to verse six. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. A false lift enters into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. Whoa. Uh huh. <laughs> next one a fool's mouth is his distraction and his lips are the snare of his soul so when you go back to and of course when you get there he says that life and death lies in the power of the tongue you know you know when you go onwards you see it but let's go back to proverbs 22 the verse 5 he says the tongues and snares are in the way of the forward he that keepeth his soul shall be far from them. And we realize how to keep your soul is the way you use your tongue. That's what chapter 18 said. A fool slips. A fool slips exposes his soul to danger. So, how you use your lips. So, he's talking about something because he's come to something very interesting. Look at that. Look at that. The next one. Go to the next one, please. Verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he goes, he will not depart from it. So he's saying that the reason two people were born in the same house, because remember he's talking about birth. They were made in the same house. They were made by the Lord. They were born. The rich and the poor have met together. And they were all made by the Lord. They were all birthed by the Lord. The Lord brought them to the Lord, created them. And I'm saying that he didn't create one rich, he didn't create one poor. There were things they did. It means they were all made as human beings. Somebody did something that made them rich, somebody did something that made them poor. And the first one was prudence. Second one was fear of the Lord and humility. Then the next one is ability to watch how you use your lips. And he's saying that all these things can be achieved by this point. Training. Training. Training so train up a child in the way he should go interestingly the word go is the word mouth so train up a child in the hebrew in the way in the direct of his mouth in the pattern and the purpose of his mouth and when he is old he will never depart oh thank you holy spirit Remember, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, he is saying in the Hebrew text that when the person has been trained with his mouth, even in old age, even in weakness, even in the loss of property, in the loss of blessing, in the loss of a lot of things, they can never depart from positive declaration. It will never depart. It will never depart. It will be there forever. Those are the people, when they lose a property, they can get it in two weeks because their lips knows what to say. We have seen people come back from losses, financial losses, financial crashes, and they come back on track. Why? They have never departed from the use of their mouth. Oh, I'll get my money back. Oh, I know what to do to win this contract. As they speak it, they never depart. They get there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So your mouth is important. It what tests your labor, it waters your seed. So, child of God, your offering is not enough. All your negative confessions will nullify your offering. <laughs> you cannot declare, I mean, no, no, no. No. no, Never. You want to buy a car? Declare it. In fact, according to Proverbs 16, the preparations of the heart, the answers of the tongue. So, as you think about it, I want to buy a car for pastor. 2023, I want to be the one to buy a car for pastor. As you have it in your heart, it's a preparation And that preparation comes to a place where it becomes a confession. You keep speaking it. And you know what you are doing as you speak it? Everything. Bible says there was family in Israel. People were eating their children. All those things. The prophet spoke a word. And as he spoke a word, the word went roaming. In the town, in the governmental house, somebody echoed what they were thinking. Someone said, even if God opens the heavens tomorrow, it won't happen. So even God couldn't find the government house. The whole city, they were so frustrated in pain. God couldn't find it in the city. He had to go outside the city and four guys. So the word was spoken and it's located itself on four men. And those four men brought the manifestation of what God wanted to do in Israel. Lepers. So in other words, when I sit in my house and I go like, oh, in 2023, I'll buy a car for pastor. As I speak it, I have sent the word forth. It is It is searching it is arranging itself. It is sending signals to people. People are having it as desire. Somebody wants to give you a $5,000 contract. Somebody wants to give you a $15,000 contract. Somebody will send you a five dollars contract. And all that is arranging itself for the car. That's how it happens. Can I announce to you? In Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says that when Moses had met the Lord and was going out of the encounter and in chapter four he went to meet his brother but in chapter three the lord told moses that when you are leaving egypt thou shall go to every house and collect their gold and their silver so that instruction of collecting gold and silver was not given when they were in exodus 12 it was given way before moses came to tell them god wants to deliver you even god declared how they will live and they will collect all the gold of the people they will collect all the silver of the people and they will live with it God declared it long before it showed up. Can I announce to you? Most of the things you will see tomorrow are the things you've long declared yesterday. You must make sure you declare. If you want to buy that car for your mother, start talking about it now. Every offering you are giving is accelerating the potential for that to happen. Can I say this? Christians are wasting their seed by sowing without talking. And they are nullifying their seeds by declaring negative things. Oh, things are hard. No, 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 no. Oh, we'll do it. Calabar. God will give us the grace. We are buying that house. We are buying that car. We own, the, we own that business. You are sowing and you are speaking. You are sowing and you are speaking. Your speaking is watering. Because you see, putting the seed in the earth is not enough. You need to add water to it so that it can sprout and show everything it has been designed to do. In Jesus' name. So that's how to activate the seed power. Activating seed power. Activating the seed power in the seed. It comes by tilling and that tilling is speaking for the waters of heaven to water that seed you have sown and see it come to pass. Number two, he says that they will till the ground. Tilling ground management. Now in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 a very popular scripture on tithe scripture on time. it says bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in the house and prove me herewith now saith the Lord and what that see that I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing and there shall be room not be room enough to receive it hallelujah, hallelujah. now when you read this text there are certain words that are in parentheses. Actually, some of them are in brackets. That means that the translators, when we're writing, fixed those words there. So he says, now, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, when you take there shall, it will read now that not. And when you take be room and to receive it out, it will read that not enough. So, it means that I will open you up the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing. That is not enough. That is not enough. It's not enough. Why is it not enough? Why is it not enough? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, in the secondary or allegorical interpretation of the term windows scripture according to ecclesiastes 12 typifies windows as the eyes he said, when the eyes are shut, the windows are shut, spoke about the grinders in Ecclesiastes. Talk. Remember the day, your creator, in the days of their youth, before the evil days come, when the grinders, aha, uh-huh, he said, before the evil day comes, number, two, verse two, he said, when the windows, aha, uh-huh, the sun and the light and the moon and stars shall be darkened, and the clouds shall not return to rain, and he said, the keepers of the house shall tremble, that is the pillars, speaking of your legs. And he speaks about, verse three, he speaks about the grinders who cease because they become few, your teeth. That's the grinders your teeth to become few and those that look out of the windows are darkened the eyes so he's speaking about the windows being the eyes no wonder in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 he said oh We'll go there. Ecclesiastes 11, the verse number 6. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 6. In the morning so that I see, the evening withhold on the hand, because you don't know which we shall prosper. Either this or that or both shall all alike. Verse seven. verse 7. He said, truly light is sweet. And it is a pleasant thing that the eyes should behold the sun. So in Ecclesiastes, he says, the sun and the moon shall become darkened. And he said the eyes is what beholds the sun. Verse 8. He says what? Verse 8. He says what? But if a man live many years and rejoice in all, yet let him remember that the Days of darkness. These are the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. So when he said, the light is sweet, and it's a beautiful thing for the eyes to behold the sun, he was making an allusion to the principle of giving. In giving, it is the eyes that are open. So he said, if your eye is single, it shall be flooded with darkness. (laughs) If your eye is single, and he speaks of miserliness. So, allegorically, the Hebrews used eyes in connection to prosperity and the scene of light to be the connection to the abundance of the experience of wealth. So he said, oh, behold, verse 7, it's a beautiful thing for the eyes to behold the sun. Then he said in Ecclesiastes chapter, sorry, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, that he will open you up the heavens, the windows of heaven, sorry, and pour you out a blessing. Can I put it this way? A lot of Christians, when they tithe, of course, he says, he'll rebuke the devourer for his sake. But the miracle of the tithe is actually spiritual revelation and illumination. To have divine ideas, that's what tithe brings. So he said that if you just give and you think that's all, it's not enough. There's a tilling that must be done. What is the telling that must be done? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 13 verse 14, Abraham has seen Lot leave him. And when Lot left him, he said, lift up your eyes. And now look the place where thou stand, northward, southward, eastward, westward. It means that Abraham is standing in the promised land. Something is preventing him from seeing. So tight opens your eyes to the possibilities you are already in already. Otherwise, you see, you were tied till Jesus comes and blame the Lord, and the Lord will tell you all the ideas, all the revelations. He even said to, to to Jacob in Genesis thirty-one, when the angel came and he told him how to leave Laban's house, he said, "Lift up your head and look." Then he saw his speckled goat, speckled uh, uh, what do you call a camel, speckled uh, uh, um, cow. They were rinsed, they were and they were jumping. He said, "Lift up your eyes," and the angel commanded him to look. And when he started looking, all the testimony he said, lift up your eyes. And he began to see. And when he lifted up his eyes, the Bible says in verse 21, in the season of their birthing, God told him to lift his eyes again. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, when you see what God has intended, verse 12, sorry, 31, verse 12. When he lifted up his eyes in the season of the abeffan, he began to see. Now I lifted up my eyes and I saw the rams. And I saw the cattle, and I saw all of them, and they were raised And I've seen all that go before Laban. So when you tithe, remember, he said, the seed, of course, beyond the seed, also, even with tithe. Tithe doesn't just give you protection from Satan. It also gives you divine illumination to connect with heaven's windows, heaven's timetable, to see what heaven is seeing about a matter. And that way, you will not miss out on testimonies. Because unfortunately, many Christians become docile, we become domesticated, we become timid in companies. We kill our creativity, we silence our voice, and we become automatons. Go to office in the morning, come back in the evening, collect your 2,500, collect your 5,000 and sleep. No. He says, if you give tight, every month you are paying tight. God has given you opportunity for your eyes to be open, to see possibilities, to see opportunities in the field, to see blessings you are standing in already that you are not taking advantage of. That is tilling the ground. That's why I said, if you don't learn how to till, it will be taken away. You will never be able to access it. So if you have been saying you have been tightened tight and tight you don't see anything <laughs> i came to announce to you what you must see is that you are seeing yeah what you must see is that you must you are seeing you are seeing opportunities that is the goal of tights <laughs> that's the goal of tights thank you holy spirit thank you holy spirit thank you holy spirit and in understanding this the power of seed is so amazing The power of seed is so amazing. The power of seed is so amazing. And finally, in this vision dimension of our seed, the Bible said something so remarkable that blesses my heart. He said, in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, remember, the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to make wealth. Can we go to the verse number 15? And let's see what he said. Who led thee through the great wilderness and terrible wilderness wherein fiery serpents and scorpions and drought were, where, sorry, where there was no water? Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint? The verse 16. Who fed thee in in the wilderness with manna with thy fathers, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. 17. And thou say in thy heart, my power and might is mine. The, the power and might is of, my, of my hand have gotten me this wealth. And he was saying that the problem with many people and the reason why the power for wealth is not activated is we often receive breakthrough from the Lord. We receive a new job from the Lord. We receive a contract from the Lord. We receive scholarship from the Lord. We receive government and uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, 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 money from the Lord. Uh, all kinds of things from the Lord. But as soon as we get it, we turn our back and do our own thing with the money. And he says, yes, expenses. And he says in verse 18, that thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Now, the Hebrew for remember is actually to relive, react, and reenact what that means is that when the Hebrew tells you to remember the Hebrew does not tell you to remember mentally he tells you to remember practically so if I receive this tablet from a person who is Jewish and he comes to me and tells me remember who gave you that tablet it means that in their culture I'm bringing back the tablets in their literal sense And you are re-giving the tablet to me. That is actually what Jewish remembrance means. So when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So he was not talking of a mental memory of the cross. He said that in remembering the Lord, we eat as he ate. That's what it means. So what he's trying to tell you is this. How the Lord delivered Israel. How the Lord gave them water in the time of drought, how the Lord fed them with manna. He said they should reenact and be in that posture. Even in the time of their wealth and blessings, they should reenact and be in that posture so that God can fully bring to an end the establishment of His covenant in their life. And many of us, when we receive God's blessing, we don't realize it's a test. How did you receive that blessing? How did you receive that car? How did you receive that miracle job? It was a posture of prayer and dependence. But since the job came, you don't have dependence again. Can I show you something very interesting? Romans chapter 4 verse 17. Abraham. Oh, our faith is dependent on this. Luba leke debo romo he said, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Can I put it this way? We quote this scripture a lot. We quote, he has made me a father of many nations, he quickened at the death, called the things that are not, but we forget the ingredients before him whom he believed. And what is this scripture shown from? Where is this scripture coming from? Genesis 17. Go there. Genesis 17 verse 3. Lo balen And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, verse 4, As for thee, I have made thee a father of many nations. So it means that when he was saying, as it is written, Abraham shall be made a father of many nations before him whom he believed. He is telling us to reenact the protocol. What was the reenactment? The way Abraham had knelt down and his face was on the floor and God was standing before him. That's where faith came from. So his believing was not he had the encounter, he went home. No. While God was standing there and his face was on the floor, before him whom he believed. So your believing is heightened anytime time you are before the Lord. That means that any time it comes to seed sowing and we do it by our own terms, we have turned our back from the Lord and we have not remembered the Lord. So power to make wealth is lost. The power to make wealth is only done before him. How did I get this job? Hey, God, thank you for this job. oh! It's the same when I receive my salary. Lord, thank you for the salary. It is God who is paying me. <laughs> God is the one paying me the salary. So if it's God paying me the salary, Lord, how much, how do we share it? And I'm telling you, you don't do it once. You don't do it twice. You do it 78,000 times as long as you collect salary. Every salary you still discuss, how much goes to you? And that is how quickening and everlasting inheritance is given to you because ladies and gentlemen if you don't practice this time and time by and by remember what i started by you are a creature of habit your heart will become calloused it will become hardened once upon a time it was easy to give thousand dollars now you are struggling with hundred dollars because like it's too much no no your life must shine brighter and brighter until the perfect day and the reason is because you have turned your back you are not before him whom you believed it is in front of him your belief came so you have to stay there so that you can constantly have your strength of your faith. The strength and the life, liveliness and the, the sensitivity and the, the joy of the giving. You are before him. Otherwise you will lose it. Otherwise you will lose it. <laughs> you are before him. Otherwise you will lose it. All faith, that will be faith that will last to the end. is the faith that is constantly before him. The who you turn your back and think you believed? Ah, so you are going. <laughs> you will lose it soon. Abraham received faith before him. It is in front of the Lord. His faith was quickened highest. Your highest faith is in front of the Lord. I'm just bringing you to the final thing. And the final thing is the power of visualization that leads to obedience. One day, of course, we used to play basketball. So, I love basketball. And there's a guy called Kobe Bryant, who was a protege of michael jordan and if you don't know michael jordan because of when you were born the sneaker you've been wearing jordan is, is because of a certain basketball pr- player called michael jeffrey jordan now this gentleman was in a team called chicago bulls and they had a coach called coach um uh, was jackson phil jackson but this coach practiced Eastern religion and told his players that in their Eastern religion, there's something they call meditation. Of course, we are Christians, so we know where that comes from. And so before every match, they should imagine they winning the match. They should and you imagine how many times they are scoring. So Michael Jordan in the documentary said he didn't believe in the religion, but he began to practice his coach's philosophy. In fact, it blessed me on one side that that means that no matter what you believe in, once you lead people, you can instill your teachings to them. <laughs> Whether you're a teacher, you're a banker, you're a manager, whatever you believe in, once people are under you, there's a way to put it on them. So they'll use it to work. So he just instilled his Buddhism, whatever it is, meditation. So Michael Thomas said he picked that part. He's not a Buddhist, but he picked that part. And he said, from that day onwards, Every time he's come to play a match, a final, he will imagine over a thousand times that he's the one shooting the last ball. And he's the one shooting and they won. He's the one shooting and the people are jubilating. He played it many times in his mind. And he said it was so serious that the day that it happened, that he had to take the final shot, he didn't even know the difference. And he was not under pressure because actually, that's Helped him to live in the moment. Before the moment ever showed up. So he was never under pressure. (laughs) Then Kobe Bryant. The late Kobe Bryant also said. That he also. Realized that he could practice. Eight hours. Play with all his energy. But he was flopping. Making mistakes. And it's not that he doesn't practice enough. Because he out practices everybody. He goes to the gym first. leaves last. I mean, he's everything. But he said he realized he was failing. Then he realized that, no, there was something that was wrong. Then he decided that he would start sleeping extra 30 minutes. Extra 30 minutes. Because he said he realized he was not having enough rest. Then when he slept extra 30 minutes, when he woke up after the extra 30 minutes, he spent 10 minutes of the day putting himself in how his day should go even to the match and how he played. So he said, when he did that, as soon as he got to the basketball court, he could play at a level that was beyond his training. What am I trying to tell you today? The power of meditation is the entrance to the breaking of poverty mindset that activates spirits of poverty that has kept you bound. The power of meditation is the entrance that breaks poverty mindset, that dispels spirits of poverty, that gives you entrance into all your seed sown. Jesus said in Luke 6.38, give and it shall come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaken, run it over. Shall men give? He said men shall give to you as you give. It means there's a measurement by which what you give is giving back to you. But ladies and gentlemen, a lot of us have given a lot, but something is not coming back to us. That means something is preventing what must come to us from coming. And that is as a result of lack of meditation. This meditation is the key and the root to all spiritual truth. How do I mean? You have to have time where you sit down. Ah, I'm coming to so thousand dollars. I'm a student and I'm going to sell thousand dollars. At this CISO conference, start imagining. Start meditating. Just sit in your room and think about thousand dollars. There's something called the reticular activation system in your nervous system. The RAS. You can google it wherever you are. And what it talks about is it is part of your brain chemicals. That makes you drive a car and be an expert in driving a car before ever touching a steering. That is the energy behind and the science behind using a simulator to fly a plane before you actually fly a fiscawa, because you fly it in such a way that the chemicals in your body, there's something called muscle memory. You see, your brain has memory, your muscles too has memory. There's a way you hold things. And if you'll be surprised if you check all your childhood pictures you'll be holding things a certain way for a long time it's called muscle memory so when you get injured you realize that you are not holding you don't feel comfortable because something's happening to your muscles you're not holding things like you usually hold it it's called muscle memory so your muscles go to a certain posture it has a memory it's, as soon as everything goes back to normal it it arranges itself to that place so there's a spiritual muscle memory that happens even to your your your, your yourself when you enter into meditation imagination And the scientists said that when you enter that imagination, the brain thinks that what you are doing is actually being done. In other words, your imaginative capacity and the physical occurrence are no different to the brain. Are no different to the brain. Do you know that when you physically go to a place where there's a beautiful landscape, you are driving, the wind is blowing. Certain chemicals, dopamine, certain chemicals just begin to increase in your brain. You're happy, you're excited. Do you know in the same way when you sleep and we put monitors on your head and you are seeing the same trees and the same car drive, the same brainwave is happening. So your brain does not know whether it is real or it is fantasy. This is the reason why some people get mad. And they can't tell the difference between reality and... Because the brain doesn't know the difference. It does not know whether ah, the people I'm seeing are not there. Are they there or they are not there? Because the brain does not know the difference. This is what imagination does. So it means that the more you practice imagination, that I'm sowing $5,000, your brain does not know that you don't have it. (laughs) So a time will come when people ask you for money. You just say, oh, I don't have it on me, on me, but I have it. You can never tell people that I don't have No, no, you have it, but it's not on you yet. Your brain does not know the difference. And the shocking part is that as long as your brain begins to think like that, that same reticular activation system also is the reason why when you decide to buy a red car, Toyota for that matter, you will begin to see all red Toyotas in Ghana on the street anytime you drive. That means that the moment I think that I want to buy this particular car, mm, or you are a young man, you want to date, and you are like you want a tall, fair girl, All of a sudden, when you come to church, you start seeing tall, fair girls. All of them, all of them, they will stand out because your brain has separated what it's looking for. And that is the mystery about even a financial ability. That's why you don't keep quiet. Imagine yourself buying the plane imagine yourself buying that house imagine yourself building that cathedral as you imagine it your brain it becomes normal to you your muscles the way you talk the things you choose the 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 ideas you put forth will be will be something as if you've done it before because it's going towards what you have declared it's going towards what you have imagined i'm telling you it will change your life so well that's the power of the seed inside the seed is the ability to show the form and the goal of the seed is not what you see. There's a whole tree in it. That tells you that if you don't see, a, 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 a farmer does not plant looking at the small thing in his hand. He is planting seeing the harvest this is the faith behind planting as i plant i'm seeing something that will grow i'm seeing money at the end of the day i'm seeing a plantation that is why i'm planting that tells you that when i come to sow at seed sowing conference i am seeing one million dollars find me i am seeing hundred thousand dollars find me because i'm not sowing seeing the thousand in my hand i'm sowing seeing what god is able to give town body does not bless us according to what we give he blesses us according to his riches in glory, and his riches is beyond anything that is on earth. I'm telling you. So when you are sowing, see what you are looking for, the harvest. That is the imagination. So as I hold it in my hand, can I tell you something? The moment I hold it in my hand and I see the harvest, the power of the words I told told you about, your watering. You don't water your seed down by saying something small. How can you call what God gave you something small? Children of God. Oh, man of God, I have something small for you. No, no. Don't use words like that. How can what God gave you as your seed for a harvest, something small? Well, he said, if you have faith, as little as a master seed. It can be small, but it's powerful. So never call it something small. Just say, God told me to bring this to you, sir. I have brought it. You don't need to ask something small. Usually, with all humility, can I say this in correction? It is pride that makes us say something small. Because sometimes, when you even feel something big, the person you are giving to is still small. So truly, it is you measuring it. Hundred Ghana, dear. But when you are giving hundred Ghana to a beggar, do you say something small? Yes, it's pride. Because you think that the beggar hundred is small. Because you don't understand. It's seed. It can never be called something small. It is what God gives you. Change the way you talk. And when you change the way you see imagination, it will change how you talk. I I can see a forest. I can see myriads of cars. I have... Why would I call these things small? It is the harvest. Many times... When I'm sowing to God, I tell God, God, you know something. This thing I'm having is a tithe of what you give me. Oh, that's how I talk. <laughs> so I never call it something small. It's a tithe. It's a tithe of what God can give me. So when I'm sowing, I know it's a tithe. I'm just, I'm putting hundred down, but I know thousands coming. That's how you see it. That's how you see it. And thank God, God's mathematics know mathematics. He said he one will put to apply thousand to ten thousand. So it means I can give God hundred and I'll get ten thousand. Something. Don't call it something small. Don't water down your seed whatever God has told you to bring. Make sure it is what God brings tells you to bring. Finally, make sure it is what God tells you to bring. Second Corinthians 97, every man should give as they have purposed. And that purpose in heart, I told you, remember Proverbs 16.1, it is in the heart but the answer is of the tongue. So, the purposing and the preparation is a combination of God's instruction and what God has put into your hand. Can I say this? God will not ask you what he has not given you. He told, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. He told Abraham to bring Isaac. Do you know the shocking thing? According to the scriptures, Isaac in the Hebrew was the word that was used for Isaac, was the same word that was used for Solomon when he became a king in his 27th, 28th year. So the Isaac that was going to lie on the slab was not a a five-year-old. Of course, he can't carry that much firewood that two servants carried. He had to be a young man of strength who could carry his own firewood. So the man was, he was a man and climbed the mountain with his father. And he asked his father, in fact, I spoke to one rabbi friend of mine who told me, he says, when Abraham and Isaac were going, the Bible says, he and the father, when he asked the father that well, he said the Lord shall provide, or he said and Abraham and Isaac went on. The Hebrew says, Abraham together with Isaac became one in purpose and went. So the son was in purpose with the father that I will die. The father was in purpose with the son that I will kill you. That's how it worked. So in other words, the way God can supply a ram, the way God can stand from heaven and say, I've seen your heart, is when God tells you, bring thousand, and you and God are in purpose as one, that I'm ready to kill my thousand. You two are ready to collect a thousand. Then we see how the oneness will produce our substitute. So, until you are one with God, who is asking you for the thing, a lot of us come and we are, you know no, God, every day, every day seed, eh? every year seed, eh? we have done, eh? what are they doing, what have they bought, hey, hey, if you are not one with what you are bringing, you will not see a ram. <laughs> a ram will not be there, neither, if you don't even see the ram, how will God now promise you that your generations to come, he will send you deliverance. You and God must be one. Isaac and his father are one, a card. So, I'm ready to die. Daddy is ready to kill me. We are all ready. Nobody has hesitation. Because think about it. A young man who is about to start his life is looking at his father lift up a sword and he's not asking questions. He and the father have the the one heart, one mind. That's how offerings must be. So when God tells you, go and empty your account, yes, you have the right to ask questions. Yes, you have the right to say, Lord, help me. But by the time of delivery, you and God should have settled the matter. Because if you read what Genesis 22 said, Isaac was not sure what was going on. Why have you told the servants to stay behind? And you and I go, where is the lamb that will kill? The Lord will provide himself a lamb. Isaac stopped asking questions. Then we are going to die. He knew what that meant. He knew that's what the lamb that, meant. God, that mountain does not rare goats. So they are not climbing to go and fetch one in the air. No, no. He knew that I am the, the lamb. I am the one going to die. So he just kept quiet. So if God tells you, bring, clear your account, please don't argue with God. It is your oneness that will cost a ram to show up after you clear the next day. Have you asked yourself a question? People give testimonies after see sewing conference that I cleared my account and all of a sudden I got a contract 10 times more. How did they get this and you didn't get yours? You were gradually giving. And gradually simply means that you and God were not on the same page. God said, bring 2,000. You said, no. that me be the 2,000. I'll do or when I do I'll be able to spoil an ATM. The same scene. But when you're on God on the same page, clear your account, you clear it. We are excited. Ah, God said it's, it's for him. Take it. One day I went to an ATM. And I had to clear an account for a wedding. A man of God's wedding. And the Holy Ghost said, Clear your account and said, Ah, if I you know me and you, we have a I have a line. And the Holy Ghost whispered to me and says that that line that is there is it you who put it or i put it i said lord i put it he said eh, so you have your own spending line you can't spend below this i said yes lord he said oh so the account is now yours i said uh eh, but my name is on he said eh, so who gave you the job that they are paying you i said it's you he said so his account still yours? i said no it's yours he said then clear that line empty the account i emptied the account and i was working I emptied the account. There's no man who works in wealth that has never worked in sacrifice. If I gets to a point of your wealth life, anytime God realizes you are giving conveniently, he will stretch you so you start giving sacrificially. Because it doesn't cost you. It does not move heaven. There must be a cost. Yes. If it doesn't cost you, it does not move heaven. So instead, you need... Isaiah 1.17 if you are willing and obedient then you will enjoy the good of the land. so it's not just about coming to say oh God said I should give it he said you must be willing and obedient 19 sorry Isaiah 1.19 if you are willing and obedient you enjoy the good of the land. then what he's trying to tell you is this simply put Obedience by bringing the offering is simple compliance. The combination of willingness and obedience is what promotes what we call submission. Submission is a willing excitedness that is in response to God's divine command. That's what causes me to eat the good of the land. Because I know when I said willing and obedience, and oh, said I've been obedient. But were you willing? Were you willing to empty your account? Were you willing to give that watch as an offering to God? Why are you willing to say that phone, this phone, I give it to God? I'm I'm ready. There's nothing I have. But God will always ask you, what do you have in your hand? He asks the widow, what do you have in your house? He asks Jesus, Jesus asked the disciples, what do you have? And they went for five loaves of bread, two fish. He asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? He said, a rod. I'll use whatever you have as long as you are willing to let it go. The boy was willing to give his five. So he got feeding over 25,000 people and fragments that he took home. Moses gave up his rod and it became the rod of Aaron. The rod by which signs and wonders were wrought. The widow gave up that handful of flour and the hint of oil and prosperity broke forth in the house. Elisha said, what do you have in your house? He said, oh, just a little bit jar of oil, a little bit. He said, go borrow vessels. And as long as she was pouring, whatever she had, God multiplied. Let me tell you something. If you show up empty-handed, God will not cause rain to pour on empty soil. He said, he that observe the cloud shall not sow. He that looketh at the wind shall not reap. So if you come empty-handed, nothing that will be rained. You can't declare on empty soil. You can't water empty ground. So seed enters the ground and you start speaking. In the name of Jesus, I prosper. I break through on every side. So I laugh sometimes at people who say, hey, I, you have something. Brother, you have something. Your cousin brought you something from, from U.S. You know this thing is too expensive to take care of. Come on, give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. You have no idea the watches we have given. You have no idea the shoes we have dropped in otters because we had nothing. So you have to put your shoe and walk home barefooted. I was preaching a certain service and saw the birthday shoe and was walking home. I said, this is your shoe. Who bite? He says, I have nothing. I'll give it. That's what I have. There's something God will look at and say, eh, It's not that God wants to wear a shoe, of course. His size is not, cannot be quantified on us. <laughs> God's shoe size cannot be quantified. But he says, if you are willing and obedient, are you willing? Willingness means you are doing it with all your will. There's no opposition with him. If I don't be pastor, i talk. I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm a pastor, so they are watching me. The amount of money I give. Hey, brother, sister, you have no idea what you are doing to yourself your prosperity is not tantamount to a man that you are trying to impress. Your prosperity is tantamount to the blesser that comes from heaven. God himself is the one who blesses you. So you can be in a ministry and replicate grace of prosperity because how pastor is willing and obedient is the same energy by which you are operating. How do you pursue it? And the Bible says that that you will be followers of them who through faith and patience have obtained the promise. So after you have sown your seed, Hebrews 10 said, you have need of patience. After you have done all the will of God. So you have done everything God told you to do. You were willing. You were obedient. You have sown. Keep talking. I'm working in prosperity. I'm working in blessings. I'm working in breakthrough. You have not seen the thing in one month. Two months have passed. Three months have passed. One day I used to confess that confession. I said, no, why is this miracle not coming? God said, you see, it takes 21 days for corn to show up. And it takes close to 70, uh, uh, what do you call it? Close to 80 years for bamboo to also show up. The kind of plant you have planted determines whether what you are saying will show up tomorrow morning. So if your friend's own showed up next week, hey miracle money, praise God for him. Yours might be corn. Yours might be babab. Yours might be mahogany. It might take some seven months. It might take some ten months but don't stop talking. Because the Bible says, as long as the clouds are full of rain, they shall empty themselves. So, depending on what kind of cloud you are building, it will determine on the consistency of your confession. Water your word. Water the seed with your words. Speak the the declarative word of God. And as you walk in truth and in righteousness, you will see that every seed sown will be gendered with power. Remember, the seed is on top of the earth. Until it enters the earth, a man must till it. And till it is God's manager. And God's manager is the one who understands the things to do to activate and bring out the blessings that have been released. I announce to you today, if you tight, God will give you ideas. He will prevent Satan from attacking you, but God will also give you insight, revelations, dreams, ideas for you to expand your business. But beyond that, your mouth is connected to your sacrifice. He said, God said there are sacrifices. One is with the mouth, one is with the hand. The one with the hand and the one with the hand, when they combine, he said, but to communicate and do good, forget not. For God is well pleased with such, not sacrifice, sacrifices. It means that the sacrifice of the bull of your lip and the sacrifice of the hand of your labor, when it combines, God is sacrificed is well pleased with such sacrifices. The sacrifices of the praise of your lips and the sacrifices of the offering you give with your hand. When you combine the two that is what God is well pleased with. The two must be, always be together. Your mouth waters your seed. And as it waters your seed things will change in your seed So, But much more. Imagine. See what God asks you to give. And in seeing what God asks you to give you are before him. So you can see as God sees. So you and God are one that indeed i'm blessed indeed this thing you said i'll get is happening in the name of jesus and surely everything on earth everything in life will work and run towards that agenda and bring full manifestation even to the praise and glory of his name god will give you strength god will give you seed god will give you the heart desire in this season let god multiply ten times hundred times i declare as a prophet of god that in this season comfort. Let the minimum multiplication of seed sown be in the tens in the name of Jesus. So whatever anyone gives, from ten to the range that God desires and the range that your faith can accept, may God multiply consequently. If you are giving ten thousand, receive a hundred thousand bounty. If you are giving one million, receive ten million a bounty. May God surprise you in this season and may your works, water your offering that you have put in the ground and may you and God become one. The one collecting the seed and the One giving it must be on the same page, understanding what is going on. And then we'll be cheerful givers that know the assignment and purpose of God. You are blessed by all means and walk in the full prosperity and glory of the seed power and activating it through the tilling of the ground. In Jesus' mighty name, you are blessed forevermore. Shalom. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastel T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastorti podcast. Simply search for Pastorti on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless